Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another exciting edition of Fandom Talk. And today we are, well, for, first and foremost, excuse us for being gone for so long. Um, I recently got back from the best vacation I've ever had because we went down to Walt Disney World in Florida. Uh, great state, or excuse me, awful state. Great, a great place to go, though. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, but yeah, no. So we so please excuse us for, you know, taking some time to get back to it. But we are indeed back to it with everyone's favorite Star Wars segment, the EU or EU review. And obviously coming back from Galaxy's Edge, I'm already to talk about more Star Wars stuff. And as always joined with me on talking about these Star Wars things is the wonderful and illustrious Red Lanyard, better known as Al. Al, how you doing today, man? Uh, well, I feel very illustrious, so very good choice of words. That's good. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm ready to talk about some Star Wars, ready to talk about some some bounty hunters, or possibly lack thereof, so I'm ready to get into it. Nice. Or, or possibly lack thereof, yes, yes. Uh, and, oh, excuse me, if you don't know my name, or if you don't know my voice yet, um, honestly, if you, don't know my, if you don't know my voice by now, then you've got a couple episodes to catch up on, my friend, but... I am the EIC. I am Jacob Vance Hardesty, the one who kind of runs this little shindig from time to time. And uh, yeah, like Al said, I am very excited to talk about some bounty hunters and some not bounty hunters. Um, because today on the EU or EU review, and oh, excuse me if you are unfamiliar with this segment, basically what we do is we talk about comics, movies, video, or video games, uh, shows, a little bit of everything when it comes to the Star Wars universe that isn't the main, like, nine films, pretty much. Um, where our goal is to try and go kind of on the outskirts of the thing, of the, uh, the different things that get put out into the, into the ether of the Star Wars universe. And, uh, yeah, you, you, you like that one? You like that? Mm, into the ether. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, today we are talking about Star Wars War of the Bounty Hunters, uh, primarily written by Charles Soule, who wrote mm-hmm. the, the main title uh, of the event, and was really kind of the, from the look of it, the mastermind behind this start of a trilogy, um, if, yeah. if you're unaware. Um, yeah, for all intents and purposes at this point, for anyone who's unaware, um, Charles Soule is kind of like the star wars guy as far as like all of like of the comics a lot of the books as well go like he's kind of like on the main point guy on a lot of the story yeah uh especially especially in the in this because if you if you aren't familiar and we've talked a little bit about it if when it comes to the comics right now you have basically two primary sets of comics one that is set in the higher public era and continues those stories and then one that is currently set between the timelines of, of Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Uh, and, of course, they have a few spinoffs and different things like that, such as the uh, Yoda comic by Christopher Cantwell, which, for the record, if you are not reading, you should be, because it's really, really good. Um, it is. It's quite good. Yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, it's that. That's the other thing, is there's not really a bad Star Wars comic right now, which is really kind of uh, unnerving for some people's wallets, mine included. Um, but... Uh, but yeah, <laughs> but today, as I said, we are talking about the War of the Bounty Hunters event. Um, Al, I'm I'm gonna ask you a question. I'm because cu- I'm curious. 
what did you know about this event before you actually read it? Had you heard anything? Because I know this was your first time reading it. And I was curious, had you heard anything about it or any spoilers or anything? Or, um, Well, having read the event now, um, I, um, I currently kind of questioning if I did know anything about it. Um, <laughs> because it didn't go the way I thought it would. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, when it was coming out, so I'm... I am intentionally behind on a lot of the Star Wars comics because for the vast majority of them, especially the ongoing series, I really enjoy collecting the trades. And so um, I just, I don't know, I like to have them in trades. They're easier to read that way. I like the way they hook on my shelf that way. Um, So I was intentionally behind on the Star Wars stuff um, when this stuff was ongoing. And so I saw like all of the War of the Bounty Hunters stuff on the shelves every time I went into um, uh, A Plus here in Lexington. Everybody go to your comic book shop in town and support them. Um, So, like, it was pretty hard to avoid going into a comic book shop and not at least being aware that something called War of the Bounty Hunters was going on because, like, it was like stamped onto every star wars comic uh, that was coming out at the time um so like i knew it was going on um when it was going on the first issue i think published in june 2021 is that right uh june or may may or june yeah yeah it was it was it was the summer blockbuster for star wars I, i did know that right um so at the time when it was coming out um, I was a lot more chronically online um, than I am now, which, thank God, that is, has stopped and gone down a bit. So um, over time, I got some of this stuff kind of um, spoiled for me. Um, the big intended reveal at the end of issue one was kind of like spoiled for me a long time ago. So like I knew um, kind of who was behind it all. Um, so... Uh, but other than that, I really didn't know a whole lot. I was intrigued because this was coming out around the same time I had started to read. Um, around the same time I had started to read um, a couple of the stories and tales of the bounty hunters. And so when stuff came out, I saw this one shot of um, for LOM and Huckus. And I was just like, hey, those are my boys. Um, so I was really intrigued by that, um, which which was an excellent instinct because that was like the, the best part of this entire event. But, <laughs> uh, but um, other than that, I did not know a whole lot on the bout at the time just because I was really, really behind on stuff. Um, I will pose a question to you, Jacob, because I know you were kind of getting um, the Star Wars titles as they were coming out mm-hmm. and you were um, entrenched in it as it was ongoing. Um I was surprised when I cracked open um, the omnibus. I went ahead and got um, like the huge omnibus with like all of the tie-ins and the main events and like all the one shots and stuff like that because I cracked it open and I was expecting War of the Bounty Hunters to have been written by Ethan Sachs because Ethan Sachs was the guy who was writing um, the Bounty Hunters comic book Mm. at the time. So I was so I was actually kind of surprised to see that the main um, that the main event title was written by Charles Soule instead of Ethan Sachs, 
And um, now having read everything, I'm kind of wondering if that may have possibly led to some of kind of the weird stuff that I found that we'll get into mm -hmm. uh, here in a bit. But um, I'll just ask you, since you were a lot more entrenched in like the ongoing stuff at the time, uh, was it kind of surprising to see Charles so on like the main event title that seemed to have stemmed clearly from this other um I'm from this other title that Sax was writing, or did you feel any kind of dissonance there as stuff was coming out or anything like that? Yes and no. Um, <clears throat> I was spoiler alert. I was I was surprised to not see the bounty hunters in this as much as as I thought they were going to be. Um, but but seeing Charles Soul write it was not really the weird part for me, just because. He was doing the main Star Wars title at the time. And, you know, when you started looking at the list of everything that was coming out at the time, um, it was more of a kind of a collaborative piece between all of them because you had the the, the lead up to the storyline was really interesting because you had every single book leading up to the hunt for Han Solo. Mm -hmm. Um Going kind of a little, just a little bit into into that, you know, for for those of you who are unfamiliar um, with the title, this is set, I would say, probably like the, I think their goal is that what they're trying to do is maybe two or three months after Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. That's about what I'm assuming. Um, honestly, That's maybe a little, maybe a little bit sooner, considering uh, Boba isn't back to Tatooine yet. Um, mm. But but effectively, um, something happens to where which we're going to get into because I I really want to talk about that. Um, something happens to where Han Solo gets stolen from Boba Fett before he gets to Tatooine, and because of those actions happening, all of a sudden you have Doctor Afra is is going to is going after Han Solo. The um, Baylor, I'm gonna say Baylor. How how would you say Valance's name? <laughs> I would say Valance. Valance. Okay, yeah. It you know what? You're right. Yes. It took, it took me a hot second just now to realize who you were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes. Valance and Dengar are after uh, are after Solo. Bosk is after Han Solo. Um, you can't forget Bob. Bosque. Can't forget Bosk, even, even though the comic does. Um, <laughs> for Lom and Zuckus, or for LOM, depending on on your preference, um, are after Han Solo. Darth Vader is kind of the most tentative one, oddly enough. <laughs> but <laughs> but when what? you read, but like at the same time, it's just kind of like yeah, that kind of makes sense, you know. Yeah, I kind of feel like War of the Bounty Hunters occurs at a time where like. Uh, where Vader's trying to find himself in a <laughs> philosophical way. And so, like, it's kind of awkward timing for him. <laughs> um, almost as if he shouldn't really have been in this event in the first place, but it's it's okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. On one hand, like, I kind of wish... because so the, so the Star Wars title leading up to this did a really interesting kind of deep dive into Luke... And the sense of where he is at mentally after uh, his, after his defeat at the end of Empire Strikes Back. Mm -hmm. 
mm. and where he is in in within the within the context of how do I become a Jedi? Um, so much so that because as I've always said, Charles Soule likes to likes to uh, reference everything he writes. Um, there's even a point where the Force Ghost of Elzar Man uh, guides him through a uh, guides him through a kind of a trial as well, and that is a really interesting setup that in my opinion has no place in this um in this crossover i kind of wish they had done a like luke and vader over here doing their own thing which eventually does kind of happen that way and then everyone else is after han that's kind of what i had hoped they would do basically honestly like like a continuation of empire strikes back in that sense Mm. um but yeah, Vader, Vader's reasoning, because I don't even know if he really has a, I can't remember him really even having a reasoning. It's more so just, Vader just kind of shows up and is like, you know what? I think I'm going to run this now. And it doesn't really, yeah, it's it's weird. Um, you already mentioned, I'm, I'm skipping around a little bit, because you already mentioned the the primary person who is behind all of this. So I am curious what were your thoughts about whether even from the first time that you heard that this person was back or the first time that you were reading this, what were your thoughts on both Crimson Dawn returning and who was behind Crimson Dawn at the time? What were your thoughts on it? Um, well, I mean, as far as Crimson Dawn returning, that one felt a little bit as of a, Spoiler at the time, because like immediately after uh, the War of the Bounty Hunters event was over, um, then every Star Wars title was being stamped with like hymns uh, and rain. And yeah. so and it, to the point that there was like there was like an issue of a Darth Vader comic with Kira like on the cover. So I was just kind of like, oh, well, they don't give you. Hardly any time to catch up on things, uh, <laughs> but, it, but that's okay. Um, so like, so with like the return of Crimson Dawn, I felt kind of like, uh, eh, sure, okay, that's fine. Uh, I was way more interested in the return of Kira specifically. Um, I am one of those people who thought um, for anybody who who doesn't know. Um, Kira is um, Emilia Clark's character um, in Solo's Star Wars story. Um, so that's who we're talking about right now. Um, everybody think I'm way back to the last time you watched um, Solo. Um, so with her return, I was intrigued by because um, I'd heard the rumors at the time that um, Solo had originally um, there had plans to be a sequel to that film that um, eventually got canned um, uh, which I think is a shame um, I don't think Solo was the best Star Wars film I've ever seen but I don't think it was bad by any means um, it sowed some seeds and I was kind of interested in where it was going to go but um, and so we see a little bit of evidence here of like uh, possibly where those um streams of thought were going to head with 
Kira kind of rising up, kind of taking control of Crimson Dawn, kind of uh, guiding it into a more shadowy place where they operate, like off the grid, um, away from all of the other crimes syndicates and things like that and just kind of gradually accumulate power and armaments and artifacts and things like that to um and to strengthen themselves until their return so i thought that was really intriguing um and so when i finally got to the point where kira was revealed i was just like oh this will be very interesting and um, i think her character arc will be very interesting once i read ahead um, a little bit into like the Crimson Rain stuff, but uh, because again, I kind of feel like even Kira's character, who was like who was built up to be this big reveal, like like hack in the face event with <laughs> on this whole story, um, I feel like her character really did not see a lot of action either and like mm-hmm. i know that it's probably just kind of laying a foundation to build into crimson rain and an empire and stuff like that but like um even then it was just like oh okay she's revealed she's a new leader of crimson dawn she's like trying to to bring all of the indicates together she has plans that aren't entirely clear yet she apparently got really good at hiding at some point because she holds her own against Earth Vader. Um, so, like, I was really intrigued to see that. Um, and I really kind of wish that we got a lot more of just her um, during the event. But um, overall, um, I thought it was a really interesting way to go as far as being able to tie in the stuff that, like, um, did not get a lot of attention and traction at the time. Uh, kind of the events and, like, the projects that kind of um, got... Um, lost in the wayside uh, by a lot of the fandom. Uh, that's something that Charles Soule is really good at, is kind of bringing that back in to the forefront of the stories. So I'm really intrigued to see where it goes. For this, I thought it was like a little bit um, underwhelming overall, but uh, um, it wasn't bad. Um, it hooked me in. Yeah, I um, I completely agree with you on at, at least from reading this as its as its own, um, because Kira does come back, and then you're just kind of like, oh, she's just kind of there. And I I wanted to see a lot more from her character. Um, of course, you do get that in a lot of the tie-ins, but not as much as you really want it. In in my opinion, the um, do you know what Star Wars? Because forgive me, before the podcast, we were talking about the the different issues that were in the omnibus and weren't. Um, do you know which Star Wars issue you didn't read? Was it 18? Um, yes, it was 18. Okay, so 18 re- is really an interesting issue because it's Kira and Leia talking about Han. So you have his first love and his current love really kind of talking about really who he is as a person and his place in the galaxy. And you have both of these women who want to get him back, but they both want him for very different reasons. <laughs> and so it's a really interesting issue. Um, and it does set up Crimson Rain really, really well. And to kind of alleviate any of your concerns or anyone else's, um, I will personally say that Crimson Rain does a really good job of setting in motion 
and 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 kind of revealing more about why Kira is doing this and who and really her place in the galaxy at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and by doing that, literally, by the entire point of the of that comic is to talk about literally everyone else who was on that very last page. Um, but I don't want to get into that just yet. Uh, <laughs> sure. sure, sure. Let's hold it. Let's hold it. Let's hold sure, it sure. Let's hold it. Uh, <laughs> let's get back to kind of the main, because of course the main event. I mean, of course, this is called War of the Bounty Hunters, and how the war kind of gets set off is really interesting. Um, although it's not really so much of a war, because the entire first two issues of this is basically showcasing no one can stop Boba Fett. That is that is kind of the core of these first two issues when it comes to the bounty hunters. Um, this is very much the post Empire Strikes Back Boba Fett. This is this is the the deadliest bounty hunter in the galaxy. Um, I personally enjoy Book of Boba Fett. I I enjoy him being the older man who is trying to kind of find a new path, but. Let me tell you, for anyone who was concerned or did not enjoy that as much, um, this book is for you because he is just owning people left and right. Al, what were your what were your thoughts on Boba Fett, especially in the in the early parts of this of this book? Yeah, so I've got um, I've got s- some conflict when it comes to Boba Fett um, in this. Um, because we see that there's kind of this weird split in the portrayal of his character where we see Boba Fett and every time he is in action, he's like the character that like everybody had kind of built him up in their heads to be. Uh, we see him take on um, a bunch of thugs. We see him take on a bunch of other bounty hunters. We see him just like seemingly do the impossible. He gets like, confronted by Orella Wellman's Huckus at one point and just like splits the two of them and like almost basically kills them both um, at one go almost. Um, and so we see him do a lot of really cool stuff when he is in action. But the problem that I kind of have with recent depictions of Boba Fett is that nobody else seems to give the same kind of respect to Boba Fett that any reasonable person ever would. So we see him, uh, we see him do all these crazy and cool things and it's awesome. It's really enjoyable. It's like the best part of the comic that should have been what like 90% of what this event comic was. Um, and then we have him go to like the underground, like, um, specialist guy because the carbonite on Han Solo is starting to like wear off and degrade. Um, and the doctor is just kind of like, well, I don't do work for anybody unless they pay me up front. Even you, Boba Fett, who's killed thousands of people with his bare hands. And it's just like, and Boba Fett, Boba Fett just kind of shrugs and is just like, Okay, I guess I'll be a champion in the arena in order for you to in order for you to do this job. I guess I won't just I don't know threaten to kill you. 
<laughs> which I kind of feel like is something that my understanding of like post Empire Boba Fett would a hundred percent do. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, and like, it kind of goes back. That was a big complaint that like I kind of had about on the book of Boba Fett show as well. Is that Boba Fett would go around when he was in action, he was great. And then whenever time came for him to like to decide something or him to like to take control of a conversation, he'd say what he had to say. And every other character was just like, no, Boba Fett, the the greatest bounty hunter to ever live. We are we are going to do that. We're going to do this. And Boba Fett would just kind of shrug and just be like, "Okay, I guess we're going to do that instead. And it's just kind of like, what? How? (laughs) How am I supposed to feel about this character? <laughs> because, because by all indication, Boba Fett is one of the biggest badasses in Star Wars history. And it seems like physically that is true, but like verbally and socially, everybody is just kind of like allowed to do whatever they want. Mm. Um and like, like regardless and he just kind of accepts it and it's just like well okay it's a good thing you didn't already have a gun out because if you had this would be over but like um we're having to talk and i'm bad at that for some reason so we'll just <laughs> so we'll just do that instead so like i i get that the action sequences were really cool again that's what the majority of this event should have been was just various bounty hunters doing really cool stuff because when they were that was like the best part of the story in my opinion um and like it fit the title of the event way more but and all that stuff is really cool and boba fett does really cool things and i like his character it was just really frustrating to see him at almost every turn unless he was already in a fight with somebody just having to just kind of accept whatever anybody else kind of and him into that was kind of a frustrating a frustrating um inconsistency there that i felt almost throughout the entire story yeah i can I can definitely see that. I kind of like, uh, I kind of like the guy who won't do anything for free, though. Just because, like, I kind of get the ins- the instance of just like he's just this crotchety old man. It's just like I'm not gonna do it until you get me some money up front. I don't know why I kind of enjoyed that. That being said, <laughs> you're not wrong. Um, I mean, that guy operated as if he was the only person on that planet who even like knew what carbonite was. Like, yeah. <laughs> To be fair, is a possibility, you know. But but yeah, you are you are correct in that. Um, no, I thought I thought you were also going to talk about the fact that like that one that one bounty hunter once uh, once the bounty goes up on Boba, that one guy just walks up behind him in the bar and is just like, "I can do it! I can finally take him down and get all this money!" And then he just turns around, and just blows him away, you know. Uh, and that scene is kind of crazy, too, because that kid kind of acts like he doesn't know who Boba Fett is, which I thought that he was supposed to be, like, the guy. That's true. At this point of the universe. It's it's all just very strange. That that aspect of it is weird, uh, because you're because you, I, I agree with you, because I'm 
it is kind of weird because it's like, do you not know who he is? Or do you just feel that confident with the fact that he doesn't see you? Um, I mean, either way, you're about to be dead. But, like, surely someone, surely someone would have had, you know, <laughs> would have been like, hey. Like, uh, my assumption is that whenever you join the Bounty Hunter Guild, one of the things that happens is you're just like, hey, don't, maybe don't mess with these guys. You know, like, you know, the... The the first the first three in the lineup from Empire Strikes Back. Maybe don't mess with them, you know. The <laughs> other three, like yeah, you might be able to get you know get a decent shot off or two on them. But but these first three, really probably not not the best to go against. Um, I'm kind of convinced that um, a requirement to be in the Bounty Hunter Guild at that point in the timeline was that like you had to just like have like no sense of memory whatsoever because like <laughs> because Boba Fett is just like he shows up at like the arena and is just like I'd like to fight and he's like spray painted or whatever his armor or whatever <laughs> like the space age equivalent of spray paint is he, he's basically just spray painted his armor black and he just like what's your name and he's just like Django and I was just like, yeah, I don't think anybody can recall um, a bounty hunter named Django who used to wear Mandalorian armor. <laughs> like, 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 and then like he goes through the entire arena tournament, and a couple of issues after the fact, when Luke Skywalker shows up and starts asking about, hey, was there anybody by the name of Fett? who entered the tournament and people are just kind of like, no, there was this other guy in Mandalorian armor named Django. (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't be connected. I've never heard of that guy as if Django Fett was not also a really well-known bounty hunter (laughs) like 20 (laughs) years ago. (laughs) I mean, in here's the thing, in fairness, they might want to run on some semblance of, you know, secrecy. And and also, you know, at that point you've got let's see, what is it, twenty-five years between Django's death and that scene. That being said, you're not wrong. <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah, this is crazy, man. This is wild. Like no, the, it's, <laughs> it's it's like at that point, you know, the Mandalorians are not like numerous throughout the galaxy, so you would kind of assume that you know, it, it, it's it's kind of like the uh, the the joke of if I if I saw another Mandalorian, I if I had a nickel for every time I saw a Mandalorian, I'd have two nickels, which isn't a lot, but it's weird that it's happened twice. <laughs> exactly, like his face and presumably his name shows up on like the screen for like a new bounty, and that kid is just like, hey, there he is, right there, this guy <laughs> named Boba. Fett. Oh, uh, who cares what his name is? He's just like, how many Mandalorians do you know wearing green armor in the Bounty Hunter Guild? <laughs> also, like, how, why would you fight a Mandalorian anyways? I mean, like, there's not really an easy one to take down. Like, yeah. that's kind of been pretty consistent throughout, throughout the entire throughout all the shows and the movies and everything is that all of them are exceptional fighters, mm-hmm. but maybe, but you know, you're just, you're just like, ah, 
his back's turned. I got him this time. <laughs> oh, I, be, I bet a bounty hunter hasn't ever been approached from behind. I'm going to get him. Oh, man. It's wild. Also, while we're on the subject of Boba Fett and this, before we go on, um, I do want to bring up, I was so confused when I cracked open this book uh, because the Alpha issue takes place like half and half in the current time and half and half in the past. And it details Popa Fett having done this deal with um, Teva Om Pop. Mm-hmm. Is that her name? Yeah. And like they do this deal and they go through this like this timeline of where, you know, they were on a job together in the past and now like she's being brought into the fray to like reclaim like the bounty for Jabba and all of this stuff is going on. And then am I crazy or does all of that not come up again? (laughs) (laughs) So or after that issue, do we never hear from her again? (laughs) So, so here's the thing. All right. And this is why I told you, I told you before we started this podcast, I kind of I kind of screwed you over, and I'm so glad you didn't listen to me. Um, so for those of you who do not know, I told Al to read the I told him to read all of the comics mainly titled War of the Bounty Hunters, and then to read the ones that are the one shots. So for those of you who do not know, in a traditional event comic, you will have a main title, such as, say, Star Wars War of the Bounty Hunters. But then you will also have tie-ins, which is like the continuing comics. So, like, for example, Star Wars, Dr. Aphra, Darth Vader, and the Bounty Hunters comic, just Bounty Hunters by itself, also all tie-in. And then you have one-shots, randomly, that will basically feature, like, a certain character or or a certain uh, event that happens from a different perspective. Um, With this, I told him to read the four one-shots... And the main title, because I distinctly remember a point, because I want to say it's, I want to say it's issue two or three. I can't remember exactly which one it is, but it's the one where Boba sneaks into the party to try and get Han. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Aphra and Sonastaros are also at the bar, and, and Leia and Lando and Chewie are also trying to sneak in. Effectively... <clears throat> what I remember, and the reason I told you to do this, is because reading those all at the same time, you see the exact same event from about four different perspectives. And I remember it, although I was into, into the story, I remember being like, oh my gosh, do I have to read this again? <laughs> and the problem with that, it, and, and that's both a good and a bad thing, because it does allow people to, well, say you are getting the doctor... Uh, almost said Dr. Vader. Um, say you're getting the Dr. Afro comic, and that's the main thing you want to read, and you don't feel like... Yes, yes, Dr. Vader. <laughs> Dr. Vader. It's, a, Dr. PH, it's a PhD. It's a PhD. Yes. <laughs> say... Oh, oh. Say you're getting the Dr. Afro comic, and um, you want to just read that. You don't want to get all the other books that are coming out, but you still want to follow the same story. You can. 
And that is, I think that's a wonderful, wonderful thing that they did on this. But I do think they could have done a little bit better in the sense of spreading certain events out for people. But I told Al, getting back to the main point, though, I told Al to do that to avoid that, to be able to just kind of read in one kind of quick little moment, and then we could just do this podcast. What I forgot while rereading it is that there are not only certain events that still don't happen in the main comic that are awesome and and worth reading, but also (laughs) that the Dave Alompop stuff only happens in the one-shots. So I guess I was really wanting him to follow that storyline because that's the main thing that happens in those four one-shots is, is Dave Lompop is, is consistently referenced. Um, she is nowhere in Crimson Reign. I'm assuming Soul is saving her. I, I've not read Hidden Empire. I, I'm a little bit behind myself. Um, so I don't know if Soul is saving her for like a future issue or something. But she is nowhere in Crimson Rain, or at least from what I can remember. And I don't think she's shown up again post War of the Bounty Hunters. If anyone else has read these comics since then and is more caught up than I am, please, please feel free to message us and, and correct me on that. But but no, she's she's an interesting character because you know she's another bounty hunter in the in the employ of Java. But what's so interesting is that she has this debt that she's trying to pay off with him that he will not let her go. Mm-hmm. But you're not wrong because you really only see her like in her story in the job of the hut one shot. And then after that, she is seen in the background. And if you've been paying attention, you're like, Oh, Hey, there she is. But if you, if you haven't, or if, like, I can't remember how long it goes between issues before you see her again. So there could just be a point where you're just like, who is this lizard woman that they are talking to? <laughs> and why does she seem more important than what I think she is? It's, it's well, it's just her character stuff in that is just one example of like t- two or three times during the course of this comic and all of the tie-ins where like a thing will happen and then you think like some other reveal about that thing is coming by the end of the book. And then it is just dropped. And you're just like, well, what the hell was that about? There's a couple of other times it happens that, like, I'll bring up as uh, kind of as we go along. But um, that was one of them where, like, she seems super important at the beginning of this event. And then at the end of it, I was just like, wait, what the How was she all about that? <laughs> yeah. Like, where did she go? <laughs> yeah. Where did she go? She isn't, like, there. She... <laughs> Well, because what's okay, what's even funnier is the um um uh, oh I'm sorry, we did kind of skip over this for, for those of you who haven't read this in a while or, or or are just listening to us ramble about this and haven't actually read the comic, <laughs> which Lord help you. Uh, but um and 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 Lord help you and may he bless you as well um for your for your support of us. Um <laughs> So when Boba goes into the arena to become champion, while he is doing that, um, while he's doing the Witcher side quest that he was given, um, <laughs> the the guy who was working on the Carbonite just gets blown away, and then Han Solo is stolen from him. Okay? So, mm-hmm. but what's really interesting 
it, oh, and then that's how Kira gets him, and he goes back to Crimson Dawn, and yada yada. What's interesting though is that once you get to the job of the hut one shot, and you find the most interesting one in the galaxy, David Lompop, uh, you find out that she's actually the one who basically sold out where Han was. So she's the reason that Crimson Dawn has Han Solo in the first place. And then she vanishes. <laughs> she's gone forever. She's gone forever. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually looking her up right now just to see if I have missed her in it other is, books. But It's wild. And, like, we're kind of left to assume that, like, oh, I guess either somebody within Crimson Dawn, like, is the only other expert in Carbonite in the galaxy. <laughs> or, like, that problem with the carbonite with Han Solo is just, like, solved now. Like, <laughs> because well, it doesn't the, come the up again. <laughs> the guy fixes it while while Boba is in the arena. Remember? That's a... I mean, that's a heel turn for that guy from going, no, I'm not going to do anything for you until you pay me to... I trust you to kill that person during a one-day tournament. I'll go ahead and, and do what you asked me to. <laughs> it's not wrong. Well, the, that is, that's, where, that's where it goes. Because he... Uh, because effectively... How, how is it? Boba says somebody to the effect of, like, I'll pay you more if you start now. Or something like that. And um, so that way Han doesn't die. Because, of course, if Han... Because the entire point is that the Carbonite, I get... They even say something to the effect of, like, the Carbonite's going to turn him into sludge. And I'm like, that just sounds awful. Uh, <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> if... Oh, man, I'm, try, I'm trying to get this straight. So... <laughs> bear with me. So... He basically says something to the effect of, like, if we don't do this quickly, he's going to die. And so Boba's like, all right, I'm going to go own four different four different tiers of, 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 of warriors in this arena. And what you're going to do in the meantime is save Han Solo. And then when I come back, I, we can, I can pay you and we'll go our separate ways. All right? So he does that. And... Then, so he does that when he gets back, he's gone, uh, or Han's gone, and the, the, the Carbonite, we're just going to call him the Carbonite expert, uh, is laying on the ground dead, and uh, then War of the Bounty Hunters proceeds from there. Um, but yeah, but David Lompop is the one who led him, is the one who led Crimson Dawn it was all. It was all her. That's true. <laughs> Somehow, Dave Alompop disappeared. Uh, <laughs> no, it's just wild because like Han Solo being stolen from Boba Fett after the events of Empire Strikes Back. That is a really cool premise for something called War of the Bounty Hunters. It's yeah. a shame. It's a shame that that triggering event was so convoluted. <laughs> yeah, fair. Um, by the way, I have now recently discovered her first appearance is not in these comics. She was part of the Nile during the High Republic. Is she a thousand years old? Is she, she is. <laughs> I don't know exactly how old she is, but she is old. There is a point where he... Uh, where she talks about um, 
uh, her her and Jabba like going back like that far, like being old enough. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So he, yes, it goes all the way back to because she's on she's from Mission to Disaster, which is one of the um, uh, it's one of the young adult books in the first phase. Um, but yeah, she was gotcha. part of the novel, okay. which is so interesting. Well, there you go, and, everybody. She was a yeah, part of the exactly. novel. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. And apparently, she has since then shown up in the Sonostaros book, which I I had, or the Sonostaros comics, which I have. I just haven't read them yet. Um, but now I have to to find out where this woman went. We have to follow the trail. <laughs> we do. We we have to understand. At this point, I think she was the one behind Palpatine's return. I mean, I mean, after after we're done with this recording, I'm going straight to A plus and buying all of the Sano Star Rose books because <laughs> I gotta know <laughs> what happened to David Lompoff. Uh, <laughs> God, jeez, guys, guys, we aren't even past issue one of War of the Bounty Hunters yet. <laughs> we aren't. We aren't. And, 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 and let's 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 move on for right now. Um, so so we talked about Boba. Talk to me a little bit about your thoughts on the other bounty hunters in this, because let me tell you, I have never been more upset than how they do my boy Bosk in this one. Um, now, of course, he does get a little bit better. If you're reading the Bounty Hunters comic as well, but uh, including one of my favorite scenes, but um, if you're doing just the main story and he and he gets sidelined very very quickly, mm. but, but, but uh, talk to me about the other Bounty Hunters or 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 lack thereof. What were your thoughts on them? Yeah, yeah. Well, let's get into it. So we got. Um, I'm gonna say Valance for last because I think I'll talk the most on Valance, and so I'll say Valance for last. Okay. Um, probably my favorites out of them all. Um, once again, we're four LOM and Zuckus. Um, even though they weren't as involved in the main events that I would have liked them to be, um, I still very much enjoyed their one shot was probably my favorite part of the entire event. Um, because it was just so much fun to watch Zuckus, like he's like he's like in grief uh for his friend because after the confrontation with Boba Fett, um Boba Fett like takes the head of four LOM to like um to like figure out what's going on, why he's getting attacked, and then he takes it on a tattooing with him um and uses him one last time and then he just kind of tosses him aside. Zuckus, as far as he knows, um, he's very injured. He thinks for LOM is is dead, essentially at this point. So like he's in grief. He's like he's like waxing poetic about like the adventures that he and for LOM had had. Um, we see a glimpse of Devilom Pop again. <laughs> During his flashback, um, so she's still there, um, and like it's really great because he's talking to like these characters and like this bounty hunter slash ugglers bar on Hush and R, and like 
they're having to deal with like a bunch of people attacking the bar while like he's like in his thoughts <laughs> talking about how sad he is and there's like a there's like a tiny little like anthropomorphized fox dude who's basically like a more like <laughs> a more riled up version of Rocket Raccoon. Yeah. And he's like, and like he's doing a bunch of stuff and is trying to cut everybody's arms off. And like um and Zekis is just like, oh woe to I have had a friend once upon my life. Um, because he's a Gand and Gand are just like hyper spiritual and crazy. And yep. um and then by the end of the one shot, um for LOM shows up again and he's like a giant like spider droid and it's really sick and he's like been like spliced to attack <laughs> i guess by like the twin brother of this guy they killed like 20 years ago it's crazy um <laughs> but like it's super it was super i was into it i was just like oh man what else is gonna happen to you i guess this is crazy um and so and then from there we kind of lose or LOM for a while because he like um after his splicing is like rehacked or whatever, um, he like crawls and runs away. And so I assume he comes up again and like um afterwards and like on um, the bounty hunter comic eventually after all of this is done. Mm-hmm. Um or possibly he does not, I don't know. But um but Zuckus then joins the team of this completely other bounty hunter who has been in like uh, the bounty hunters comic. And there's like this whole subplot going on with like them and Valance and this girl that Valance saved, who's like the heir to like two other like um, crime syndicate families and all that's, and all that's going on. Um, for some reason, they thought we would really care about that in the midst of all of this other stuff going on. Even though we, even though let's be honest, everyone, we don't, we don't care about that right now. <laughs> and and Zuckus gets recruited, and Zuckus, and they're just like, yeah, he's gonna use like his like his weird horse adjacent powers to find out where Boba Fett is. Um, and Zuckus is just like, I know where he is. I threw a tracker on his ship and it's just like oh okay well i guess we didn't like have to <laughs> i guess we could have just paid you for that information instead <laughs> but you're here with us now um not a big deal because like you are gonna come into play again which leads us <laughs> which leads us to bosk um i don't even care for bosk and i felt like he got like shafted in this event like <laughs> because like you don't really see he sh- he just kind of shows up <laughs> and he's like there and he's just like oh Boba Fett there you are I'm gonna eat you and, <laughs> and, <then, laughs> and then give your bones to Java and get paid um and Boba Fett is just like it's just like haha you're like <laughs> You've activated my greatest strength, which is I don't have to talk to you in a debate. And so <laughs> Boba Fett <laughs> defeats him in combat <laughs> very handily <laughs> and like ties him to like a glacier, which is like 
really like raw even for Boba Fett <laughs> and like just kind of abandons him and leaves him to die um so the troop of like bounty hunters and like syndicate folks that has teamed up with Zuckus um Tonga that's her name I'm sorry um so Tonga and her group gets there and she's just like, hey, we found Bosk. And this also seems to be where Valance and Boba Fett are. And um, this really, like, awful dude who's in her gang is just like, well, why don't we, like, take take the Trindoshan and just, like, cook his organs and eat them? Um, to which, like, nobody had a strong enough reaction to that idea. Like, nobody in that group was just like, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> We're on a job. But like, what are you doing? So Boss, like, wakes up and, like, breaks his bonds, which I guess he could have done at any point. And, <laughs> and like, um, holds up a blade to, like, the neck of this guy. And is just like, I'm going to kill all of you. And then I'll kill Boba Fett, too. And then that plot line is dropped. You don't hear about it again. <laughs> That's the other thing that happens. I'm sure just like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen like now at this point. And then it's just like, nope, you don't need to know. Um, <laughs> continue buying the Bounty Hunter <laughs> comic book <laughs> if you want to know where this goes. Because we're going to drop it for the next six issues. Yep. Um, so, so that happens. That's Bosk. That's all that happens. That's all that happens to Bosk. He shows up. He threatens to eat, <laughs> to eat a bunch of people. Um, he gets his ass kicked once and then he takes this really weird <laughs> guy by surprise. And that's the Bosque story. Um, uh, we get to Tangar, which this is, this story was probably the most I've ever enjoyed Tangar's character, if I'm being completely honest. Um, I kind of like the idea that like, and like the tier system of all of the bounty hunters that Tangar is just like, there's like the S tier of like Boba Fett and like Alance um, and Ebon Pop, I guess. Um, <laughs> and then like just under there is like all of the other um, like bounty hunters at the time. And Angar is like drifting in between the tiers almost because like none of the other bounty hunters seem to take him seriously at any point. And I think that kind of gives him a lot more character than I've ever seen him have in a lot of ways, because like, he's kind of like almost vying to like establish his reputation more. And is kind of vying for like attention and respect from all the other, um, county hunters. He has this like very, um, tenuous relationship with balance at the time. Um, and like, he betrays some people and some people betray him. And we find out that throwback to Tales of the Bounty Hunter, by the way, um, that um, Angar, one of the reasons that he's doing all these things is that he owes a debt to Jabba that once paid will release um, his love, Anaru, who was um, also the alien he fell in love with in his short story, um, and House of the Bounty Hunters. So I thought that was fun as well. 
So, like, um, honestly, I kind of enjoyed him a lot in this one. Um, I thought they did him pretty well. I liked that, like, he was kind of, like, almost kind of like the wild card, like, in, like, the bounty hunter side of all the events. I thought that was really fun. Um, and then we have Valance, which I'm going to throw it over to you first, Jacob, because I want to hear your opinion. What do you think Valance brings to the table as a character? So, <clears throat> personally, um, and for and for anyone who is unfamiliar with the character, Valance was someone who was created strictly for the comics back in the 80s. Um and then was since brought back whenever they returned to Marvel back uh, after 2015. Um, for me, what I think he brings to the table, <clears throat> I think at his core, he is the he is the most moral of the bounty hunters. I think he is supposed to be the. At least for me, I think he is intended to be the almost like a Spike Spiegel kind of character. Uh, and I know that's and and for the record, I am not comparing him in like he is as cool as Spike, but more so in the sense of what they're trying to do with his character. Don't like, like stop the like stop the podcast now. He compared Ballas <laughs> to Spike Spiegel. No, don't do that. Um, <laughs> what I mean is that in the sense of someone who has, in the past had some really rough moments have done has done some really questionable things but now they're actually trying to do something better with who they are um i think that is the goal of what they're trying to get across with him now whether that works out that well um is really for the reader to to understand or, or for the reader to to grasp on their own I, I like Valance. I, I th and I, I think he works as that kind of character, especially especially in this point of the bounty hunters' lives, because you have you know, like you said, I, I do I do really like Dengar a lot more in this, but um but you know, every other bounty hunter that you have is unquestionably the like they all have their own code that they agree to and everything. But by all technical reference, they are – they're the bad guys. Like when it comes right down to it, you know, I, 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 in, the, in the simplest fact. They all have various reasons for what they're – why they're doing what they're doing. Valance at his core I think is attempting to – attempting to do the right thing because although you are correct, the whole story with Tonga does – <laughs> it does come to left field in comparison to everything else that's happening, <laughs> but it, it is. I kind of feel. I kind of feel like what Ben White is is explaining why uh, the uh, how Game of Thrones went off the rails, and he and he's like, it makes more sense if you read the books. Um, if you had followed the entire bounty hunter storyline up to that point, you understand why Tonga is so important. You understand why. Uh, I mean, hell, there's a point where. Valance finds Boba Fett and he's like, not after what you did to Nakano Lash. And here's the thing. That's a deep track pull back to Bounty Hunters, I think to one or two. Yeah. Um, because that that whole storyline is very important. But once again, if you haven't been reading Bounty Hunters up to that point, you have no context for that whatsoever. Um, 
so I think like in that sense, his character doesn't work as well in War of the Bounty Hunters, but I do like Valance as a character. Um, but I do not think that he was the best fit for with everything else that was going on in this point of the story. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of the same way. I don't think I like Valance as much as you like him. Um, I don't think I don't think he's a bad character. I think that so at this point I'm caught up up to this event at least. I am caught up on like all of like the various like um, series of comics and things like that in this phase. Um, and so like I've been reading Ethan Sachs um, Bounty Hunters. And the entire time I was reading it, before I even started on War of the Bounty Hunters, I was just kind of like, man, this guy really wants me to care about Valance. Um, and, like, it isn't that I don't care about Valance. It's just that when I pick up a, a Star Wars book called Bounty Hunters, I'm not sure this character is really the character I want to read about every time. Um and that is very much how it is. I mean, Valance, like, is up to this point has been the main character of that title. Yeah. Um, and so when we get to War of the Bounty Hunters, a story that already really doesn't have a lot of bounty hunter action in it, I think a way more appropriate title for this event would have been, like, the War of the of the Crimes Indicates. Mm-hmm. Or something like that. Or like but, the hunt for Han Solo or something. Yeah. Um, however, so we're getting this War of the Bounty Hunters, and there's not a whole lot of Bounty Hunter stuff in it. And what it is is still very centric to Valance when there's a whole lot of other Bounty Hunter characters I care about a whole lot more. Um, I kind of struggled with it a bit um, in this story. Um because to me, as far as his functioning role in this, Valance feels like a whole bunch of characteristics of other characters kind of combined into one, right? Because, like, he seems to be, like, at the top of the Bounty Hunter game, along with, like, Oba Fett, along with Bosk. And yet, um, he's at the top of it. And yet he has kind of this, like, torn human nature about him about like well i'm like a bounty hunter that's all i know that's like all i've done for a long time but like he's starting to find some humanity about himself and i feel like that means a lot more coming from characters like angar or i guess than it does from him and, like, again, that could just be a bias that I have because I care about those characters a lot more than I care about him. But, um, so, like, I'm left just kind of thinking, like, okay, man, like, this whole event is supposed to be about Han Solo. And I know that Valence, like, has ties to Han Solo and, like, his history. But, man, I really just want to see these other bounty hunters I know just kind of go all out <laughs> against each other to try to get Han Solo. And I feel like we only really got that for like two issues. Mm. And um, 
but uh, we got a whole bunch of issues of like Valance like hanging out um, and talking and honestly like screwing a lot of stuff up as he went along. So um, yeah, yeah, it was kind of a tough sell in this for Valance for me. Um, it seems like he could be going on kind of an interesting journey from here um, with how the story ends and with like some of the lines that Kira has to say uh, um, about the different characters um, in the last issue of War of the Bounty Hunters. So I'll be interested to see where it goes from here. But he was kind of a hard sell for me as far as the Bounty Hunter characters go. And then I did not talk about IG-88, but that's because he was hardly even in it. Uh, he got the shaft almost as hard as as boss did so he did he um, did. i don't have a lot so i don't have a lot to say about him either but um but um yeah that's about where i'm at which is is kind of annoying because i one of my favorite moments of this book is ig88 versus darth vader i really mm-hmm. i really think that's a cool moment um but at the same time like you said he once you go up against darth vader you could only you could only go down from there unless you're obi-wan or Obi Wan, Luke Skywalker, or BD One, but you know yeah. <laughs> that's pretty much it. It's true. Uh, it's true. Yeah. Um, now I uh, I do agree I do agree with you on on Valance and in the as much as although I do like him I I really do. Um, I can definitely understand where you're coming from on that of especially for someone who hadn't if, if was this your first time reading anything with him. Um, I mean, I read like the other volumes of uh, like the bounty hunter stuff, and like the okay. few times he popped up and like on the phase one stuff with Darth Vader. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is just, I was just making sure you read those. Um, yeah. but yeah, I, I can see the you know, it's just he as cool as he is being the cyborg and everything like that. That is a cool concept, but. In comparison, you know, he just does not he does not match up to the other six to the other six. Um and he, even even I can agree with that on the on the who is the most interesting. Um but uh, especially in war in war of the bounty hunters, he just it it doesn't work in comparison to everything else that's going on around it. And it seems weird that he is the one who lasts by all technical reference, lasts the longest besides Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. Um that's weird because all of these, because all these others, you know, you're just, you hear all these different stories about all these other guys and you're, and you're like, how is like boss is just on a glacier and, and I'll be enough. <laughs> so is Dengar. Like, like also I, how, how many glaciers are there on this place? <laughs> also, also IG 88, he didn't even show up to the party. Like he yeah, that's, that's the thing is that he gets cut down by, uh, by Vader. And, you know, I mean, of course, he has the epilogue, you know, after the fact, but I, I don't know, man. Um, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. This, even rereading it the entire time I was reading it, I was like, this is this is interesting. I like it. I love Charles Soule as a writer. I want to see where this is going. But the entire time, I'm just like, this is not... I felt the same way about this as I did about the, um, uh, the recent trial of Magneto. Um... Uh, event comic because both of them were named something that I was expecting something different and, and was excited to see where that was going to go. And then it became something completely 
out of left field in comparison. And I was like, I, it's it's good, but I wish it had just been called something else because I was expecting something different. And event comics are a lot of times kind of notorious for that. Um, but yeah, I uh, yeah. But I am, so I am curious though, what were your thoughts on? I mean, because we, we discussed the bounty hunters and the and the the lack thereof of them, but we have all these other characters who are all over the place in this. So, what were your thoughts on? Uh, let's just do the the rebels. Uh, the different between Luke's journey to towards becoming a full Jedi Knight, and then also Leia and Leia, Lando, and Chewbacca kind of having their kind of like we'll say tiff amongst each other um, because because none of them like Lando yet because he literally because at this point they're just like well he betrayed us you know so. What, what, what were your thoughts on the different Rebel characters at this point? Um, overall, I thought they were good. Um, I am really glad that we finally got to see the moment where Lando kind of decides that, like, he's chosen the side he wants to be on. I'm glad that, like, we actually got to see that because of feel like that's something we didn't really have up to this point to like see like the journey made uh, with Hando from like uh, episode five to episode six mm. and beyond. And so it was cool to see him kind of like kind of honestly talk himself through that process. And then of course have it um, capped off as well by a uh, kind of explaining who the rebellion is and what like um, they're all about and how it aligns with what he's trying to find and trying to be. And so I'm really glad that we got to actually see that. I think that like helps um, his character a whole lot. Um, and like that is uh, saying that there was anything wrong with his character before, but like it's good to get that um, additional explanation and that additional depth into who he is and like how he arrived at the side that he ultimately chose. I thought that was really cool. Um, and then, I mean, Chewbacca is always a treat. Um, he's always, <laughs> he's always the man. Um, but, um, I thought the stuff with Luke was, it was kind of all over the place. I don't think yeah. it was a, I don't think it was a bad thing necessarily, but, um, it was, it was kind of all over the place. You see him, um, he follows up the lead on Han, and he finds what he finds there. Uh, then he goes and joins, like, uh, this Starlight Squadron um, and helps them out. He has, like, the weird horse vision that he has that kind of, like, screws up his focus and his efficiency on that op. And then, like, he goes and he encounters Darth Vader, and, like, they do, like, a dogfight um, type of thing. And, like, it was kind of all over the place. I get that this is taking place kind of right smack dab in the midst of him trying to navigate who he wants to be and what he wants to do of all the way the events of Empire Strikes Back. Um, I get that 
Luke Skywalker overall is kind of in a weird place. I think, if anything, it bothered me how inconsistent that place kind of felt going from issue to issue. Because you see him do these incredible things. One issue, like when he goes back to Arshadar and like he takes on like essentially a whole battalion of guards, almost a whole like city's worth of, of guards and thugs and mercenaries. And like he's using his lightsaber and like he's he's guiding his friends and he's doing great. Um, and then like on the very next issue, he's out with Starlight Squadron and like he completely loses his focus and gets a weird force vision. And like he talks about like how he's not right with the force right now. But it's just kind of like, well, the other day you seemed like you were doing pretty well <laughs> with the force as far as like taking on a city of people who are trying to kill you. Um, and then like he has like his his dogfight and his kind of half confrontation with Darth Vader. And it's a really cool thing for his character in that he realizes what role he needs to play at that point. Like, he can't just, like, swoop in and be the hero. Like, he needs to navigate this situation a lot more carefully and a lot more intentionally. And so you see that kind of growth within him. But then that whole confrontation also just kind of feels weird because Earth Vader is also in a weird place as far as what's as far as what he wants to do with Luke. So, so like, it's all just very, I don't know, the flow of it felt very strange. I don't think there was a single scene or a single point in his story in this that I would say, like, that's bad or, like, I disagree with that. It's just kind of the sequence of events felt kind of weird. It didn't feel like they logically flowed one after each other if that makes sense yeah i think um it's unfortunate that like as interesting although i i am with you and i, I do like the journey that luke is on because like you said i like that he is looking at situations differently i like that he is becoming the person that we know he'll he'll be in return but of of all the main characters even including the bounty hunters, it felt like Luke and and Vader's positions in this story were the two that were just kind of tacked on the most. Mm. Um, and and that's what I meant when I was saying earlier is I, I was like it felt honestly like they should have had their own thing separate from this. Yes. Um, and that would have worked a lot better, but you know it just it's just kind of the way it went. Um. <laughs> That, if that's the way the cookie crumbles every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do like what you were talking about though with Lando because I think Lando is Lando's probably my favorite character in like the main titles recently. Mm-hmm. Um, just because of that, because he is going from this person who was just the uh, smuggler, suave gambler you know and all that and he's going from that to being to deciding what role he really wants to play and i i I think you hit the nail on the head when you were talking about that and 
yeah, I don't know. I just, I really liked, uh, I really liked his, his role in this. Um, but, uh, but yeah, um, I, I gotta be honest, man. I'm kind of, I'm kind of running out of stuff to say about this. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I have something. I mean, I have some things to say if you, want me to, if you want me to jump in. Please. So um, I had alluded to it earlier. I am about to hit the last um, the last point in the story that just kind of happens and you think it's going to go somewhere and then it does not. So, <laughs> so the first one was the entire character of on Pop. Um, the second one was Bosk turning the tables on Honga's group, and you think something really intense is going to happen right there, and then it just stops and gets dropped. The last one, which honestly, as far as like this, like post empire kind of phase two era of like this Star Wars comics right now, this like storyline up to this point was one of the really more interesting things that have happened so far in my opinion was like we get to where ando has a line on jabba the hut and is kind of doing some things for jabba while still like um while still kind of incarcerated kind of not incarcerated the rebellion um at that point and they have the whole storyline with like the droid that c-3po has to get the tarot pocket language from as like the new rebellion code and like that droid like takes over and corrupts like all of like um the mechanical parts of obot it's like a very like involved like storyline that happens before this and there's a part in this early on where ando um drops a line to java the hut and it's just like hey i'm gonna drop off this droid to you that has the source code for like the a rebellion like comms and stuff and all of these things i'm about to drop him off to you and he does it he like airlocks the droid out there on the droid um momentarily fixes lobot because lobot up to this point is in kind of like almost like a comatose state almost where like mechanically he can do things but like he doesn't talk he isn't able to like interact or anything like that and the droid that gets airlocked out is able to like to cure him of that and then like they speed away and Lando and Lobot are just like, oh my gosh, we have to go back and get that droid to like have him fix you and stuff. And before they're able to do that, they like speed away because Chewbacca is trying to get them to the Crimson Dawn auction and stuff like that. And I'm left just being like, oh, it'll be interesting to see where this goes. Because like uh, Jabba's people are going to go collect that droid and Jabba's going the same place where they're going. So this will be kind of interesting. I wonder what's going to happen with Obot. Um, and then we don't hear from Obot ever again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I'm just kind of like, 
what the hell, man? Like, these are these these like interesting plot points that have been continuing up through all of these titles up to this point are going on. And like, I know that like, I kind of like, um, kind of roasted like the Tonga storyline earlier, but like, that isn't a bad storyline. I'm interested to see what happens. But, like, all of these things have these, like, scenes in this book that you think are going to be really important, and then they just get dropped. And you're just like, what was – I want to see the, like, structural, like, storyboard of this event. Because so many of these scenes feel like they should have happened outside of all the stuff happening in War of the Bounty Hunters. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, it's just so – it's just so weird. The flow – of this entire storyline just felt so off so many times. And it's just, yeah, it's just weird. It was a really weird effect. Yeah. I, um, I had honestly, until you said that I had thought that that was a completely separate storyline. And so whenever, so, I mean, Lobot does come back and he, cause he's the one that's able to scramble, um, the shuttle at the end right. at the end but he he does vanish for like you know three th- like three or four solid issues of the main event and you're you're like okay so all this other stuff that was happening i guess we're just kind of we're no one's going to talk about that right now yeah and like it was not like a shame because again up to that point that storyline had been really interesting because in the main Star Wars title, that's the first time we kind of see like almost like a song Herrera side of the rebellion mm-hmm. come out in like um and like in yeah. Because that whole sequence of getting the droid to give over the language and the droid like trying to to interfere and corrupt Obot and stuff like that, like she is there the entire time and like is watching it happen and like is telling them to like have it continue and like continue to go even as she like sees the effect it's having on Obot. And so that's the first time we've really seen a uh, kind of toe that line. And like, I'm um, not saying really, you know, if that was the right thing to do or, or if it was the wrong thing to do as far as like the scales go. But like, that was just such an interesting subplot that happened that it just felt so awkward for it to come up again at the beginning of this event and then just like completely drop off. It was just very... Interesting. It's very strange. It in in hindsight, see, I so what's funny is that until you had mentioned the until you had mentioned like the rest of the Lobot story, I was like, wait, I I vaguely remember that now. It almost feels like because they don't address that for a while, and it almost feels like they like Soul had set these things up 
and then wanted to do War of the Bounty Hunters or something involving introducing Kira, and then was like, all right, now I need to go back to the storylines I had already set up. The problem is, is that if you already forgot that those storylines happened, <laughs> then you're very confused mm-hmm. whatever, you know... Lando's basically, you know, Lando at one point is like, you owe me, you know, for this. And you're like, what are you talking about? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. I don't know. It's it's they're all really, really good. Like it it's really well written, like in the sense of like the like the dialogue and everything. But it does seem it seems like once you get around these these event comics. At, at least this first one, I, I can't. I can't really speak to Crimson Rain because it's been a, it's been a minute since I've read it because I've, I've read these as they were coming out, um, but it almost seems like like they didn't plan well enough over overarching, like in the sense of where everyone else was going to be while these things were happening. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I still I still really like it. I do. It's just it could it could have been paced better and it could have been planned out better. I think. Yeah, if it almost kind of feels like, um, which is weird because I don't f- think it's true, but it feels like all of the writers involved like t- didn't really share a lot of like their scripts with each other. Almost, mm-hmm. um, um, an example that comes to mind is, um, and this is a character we honestly haven't. T- talked about very much but like it's only because her stuff kind of felt very very separated from everything else that was going on but um there's an issue i forget if it's issue 12 or 13 uh but there's an issue of dr afra where she's at the auction hosted by the crimson dawn and Han Solo is auctioned off, and Darth Vader shows up. And in and in Issa Wong's version of events, like the Doctor Afra comic, um, Afra has this like very averse, almost like PTSD esque kind of reaction to Vader showing up. Um, cause she's just like, you know, I betrayed him. Like I screwed him over bad and like, he can't see me. He can't know that I'm here because like, he'll, he'll take his revenge on me. He'll pay it back. And it's like a very interesting kind of, um, kind of a unique glimpse into her character that we don't get to see very often. Um, however, in the adjacent uh, War of the Bounty Hunters issue that this happens in, um, she's like having a very different kind of reaction where like she's I'm just kind of like, okay, let's like go this way, Sana away from Darth Vader. And <laughs> she's like just kind of back to herself, like and like is cracking jokes and is trying to steal things off of like all of the rich people there. And like, it just feels very jarring because it's just like, I just had this really cool, really interesting viewpoint into this character that really adds like a new kind of layer to who Afra is. And it feels like that got just like completely glazed over 
by Charles Soule and how he wrote her in that same scene. Mm-hmm. And so like, I don't know. It almost feels like they were, it almost feels like there were too many writers or the writers just didn't actually collaborate enough to make mm-hmm. sure that like their viewpoints and like their character points were aligned with each other. It was just very, yeah, it just, there was a lot of those um, scenes and stuff that just felt very weird and very disconnected from each other in a lot of ways. Which, which is really jarring reading it alongside any, like the higher public stuff, because the higher public, you can tell they are, they are collaborating. You can tell they are, they are trying to work with each other on different events and things that are going on. I think that's actually one of the strongest parts of it is that every time you pick up a higher public comic or book or whatever, you know, not only is it going to be of pretty solid quality, but it's also going to be a really well-paced and well-told narrative. Um, You know, with, with this, like I said, although I do, I do still like it, but you're, you're not wrong because you, you have Alyssa Wong really trying to delve into who Afra is as a character and then when <laughs> if Darth Vader showed up and then Dr. Afro walked away, walked away while the uh, uh, what what is the is, is it Benny uh, is it Benny uh, Hinn or Benny Hill? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. The, old, the old music like the, the, da, 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 da. Hills, yeah. if that started playing like while they were running away, it would have made sense. But, you know. In in stark contrast to the way that that you said, like like, like you said, Alyssa Wong wrote it. Um, yeah, it really. I don't know. I need. I I, I want to look at who the editors were because I am kind of curious. You know, because like that's one of the that's one of the things is that whenever you talk about most of these events where you have multiple different points of view and everything, you have a really solid editor at the start who is trying to plan everything out really well, and it's almost like. It's almost like as though like with Luke and Vader need to be their own separate thing because they don't fit into the story as well. Meanwhile, it's almost like they forgot Afra existed in general. Mm-hmm. And that's in my opinion, that's actually more egregious. Mm-hmm. Especially because of how cool of a character Afra is. So yeah, no, no, I definitely I definitely do agree with you on do agree with you on that one that she like the, the more the more I think about it, as 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 annoyed as I am with you know the fact that we don't see as many bounty hunters as we're hoping for from the title, and the fact that Luke and Vader do seem very inconsistent. The 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 worst part of this is that Afra is there, but not really a player in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very interesting. But. Um, But yeah, so, I mean, we still, here's the thing, though. We still have our two main questions, Al. And and no no matter what, there were still some pretty hype moments in this. There were some pretty hype. You know. Yeah. So I yes, am sir. curious, what was your hypest moment um, from this comic? Oh, that's a good question. Can I, mm, 
So there was a new character. As far as I know, a new character. Um, a character who was introduced in this, who was like an operative, essentially an assassin of of the Crimson Dawn, um, called Hethstick. Which, in some ways, is hilarious because that's what the guy in the bar is trying to sell Obi Wan and attack the clones. But, but there's a character. She is just like an assassin. She looks like a ninja. Like that's just what she looks like. She looks like a slightly altered version of Electra, essentially, and. She is basically just kind of used as like um, this assassin um, by the Crimson Dawn, and she shows up a lot. Every time she shows up is really hype because um, she like she fights extremely well. She fights like Angar and Valance at the same time. And stuff and like wins and wins like very handily. And afterwards, you realize that like he won like while even holding back and stuff, which is really cool. Um, and so, uh, they build her up a whole lot. And probably the hypest thing about her, um, almost ironically, is that, um, at the end of all of the Dr. Aphra stuff. Um, Hethstick kind of like traps and confronts them. And Aphra takes hold of this old artifact that the Crimson Dawn um, have in like their in like their vault essentially. And like it gives her crazy power and it basically forces Deathstick to um, essentially stab herself, uh, stab herself with like her own blade, infecting her with like the poison that she's used on like everybody else up to this point. And like, and like, it's really cool because like the visuals of it is really cool. It's basically just like a flash of red and white. And Afra has like these cool, like red energy powers that like are coming out of her. And, like, it's very tense because they're just, like, how are they going to deal with, like, this this up-to-this-point unstoppable assassin? And, like, um, yeah, it just that, like, whole sequence I thought was really cool. It made me really excited um, to catch up on, like, the rest of the Afro stuff because I feel like this is going to very much, hopefully, be um, a factor in, like, her character arc and, like, I'm an and in her comics as we go forward. So um, that was really cool. Um, I really enjoyed that part. Yeah, I can uh, I can speak a little bit to that uh, without spoiling things because um, Af- both Afra and the Bounty Hunters, like the the thing is that the two things you were most interested in then in Forlom and, Z- and, Forlom and Zuckus and Afra's situation... Um, both continue in their own respective books, uh, and it's honestly one of the better parts of the Star Wars comics going forward. Uh, so, so you have those to look forward to. Nice. Um, nice. Okay. 
Um, well, so my hypest moment, um, although <laughs> upon further consideration, uh, it is very implausible that it, no one would notice. Um, I, I love Boba Fett in the arena. I, I know it's oh, yeah. silly. I know that it's just, you know, it, it's it's like, why why do we, why are we even, we're literally just doing this just because it's cool, right? And it's like, yeah, yeah, you are. Um, <laughs> because the fact that he he's, like, I, I like the idea that he goes by the name Django. I like the idea that I like that they have this moment where he's flashing back to his childhood. Um because I mean, as as I've always stated, I'm more of a as as much as I enjoy you know the cool thing, the the hype moments, um, the the important character moments are even more important to me, you know, and and this idea that you know we we don't see that a lot in some of the older stuff, like the older books and the older comics and everything, um. But in this, in the new canon, one of the things they've really tried to drive home is this idea that Boba Fett is someone who his entire life is, was really affected. Like, he, he became a man when he was eight years old, basically. Like, that's – and so I like that they – it's subtle, but I like that they kind of bring that into this as well. And he still wants to honor his father by choosing that name and everything as as his alias. Um it is entirely implausible that and no one would remember who he was, but <laughs> um, and you are correct on that. But I don't know. I, I really like that moment when he's fighting he, when he's fighting the giant spider lady. I think is great. Um, you know, yeah. It's just it's it's just so cool. It's just and it just yeah. It's just great because um, because they're like you know. Well, you've got to, you got to you got to take down the champion if you want to get any of the money. And he's like, "All right, how many people are in front of the champion?" They're like three. And then you're like, "Okay, I guess I've got to run through the ranks here." You know, <laughs> Boa Fett's like, "I don't even care, man. We're taking them all down." Um, but yeah, so that is that is definitely probably my my hypest moment from it. Um, so our final question, okay, is is War of the Bounty Hunters part of your grand canon? All right. So I have a very uninteresting answer to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I'll be I'll be completely upfront <laughs> and say that say that this isn't like uh, the most intensive answer to this question I've ever given. Um, but uh, however, after I give mine and after you give yours, I do have a closing question I like to ask you. So let's keep that in mind. Let's sure. Let's use that as a tease as a tease for the audience. Um, 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 I mean, the answer is yes. The true answer is sure. Um, (laughs) because like, it's a shame because there's a lot of individual scenes and a lot of like small things that happen in this event that are really cool. Um, as a whole, as far as a story that is being told that like um, is supposed to be like adding significance to the lore and to these, you know, in between times that like we don't see in between like um, episode five and episode six and things like that. As far as that go to be accomplished and as far as the story being told, um, this is probably the first time in in like the comics for Star Wars that like I've really felt 
kind of disappointed. Um, I mean, I read through it, and there were just so many. There were so many points in the scenes that were either confusing or felt kind of weird and disconnected or just kind of felt very inconsistent. Um, I think the pacing is very strange. Um, I don't know how it feels to read this with like all of the events separated out from each other for somebody who would usually want to read like everything that happened in this. There's a way where like either you read all the issues you read the omnibus, which is what I have, which like has like um, all of the comics organized and like the order of release. So it's essentially as if you were reading the issues or you can read um, the trades, which is how um, t -t -t uh, typically I collect these comics. And so I don't know how the story feels when I just read the War of the Bounty Hunters and then afterwards I read like uh, the Darth Vader stuff happening alongside and the star wars uh the main title stuff happening on alongside and the bounty hunter stuff happening alongside so i don't know how it'll feel then but as an event which as it was released this was kind of the way that they intended it to be read correct me if i'm wrong but as it was released taking it in its originally intended purpose to be read um it just kind of felt like overall um it missed the mark um which isn't fortunate because i feel like it had a lot of potential in a lot of different ways if it had just on about other things uh, we've already talked about like it would have made a lot more sense if like the stuff between vader and luke happened on its own and i think that's true but honestly having read the first few arcs in these titles recently, it kind of feels like Vader and Luke were already occupied appropriately with their own individual arcs that it even kind of felt weird that they interacted at all right here. Um, what I would have done, uh, because of course I'm like a genius who can properly run an event comic <laughs> like this, obviously, but like in hindsight, with like the pure benefit of hindsight and things like that, it would have made a lot more sense to me to have the War of the Bounty Hunters have the Bounty Hunters title be looped into it hardcore and then have the star wars title just be about um luke skywalker and how he is navigating his journey as trying to be a jedi um for this event on the main title starts with r2d2 um trying to give luke a list of like all of the sites of like old Jedi temples and Jedi academies and Jedi artifacts. Um, I think these issues of Star Wars would have been way better used if it had just been about him and his companions traveling to these places to see what they could find. Um, 
and then have the um all of the Darth Vader stuff continue from where it left off and just be about how Darth Vader is trying to refine his his purpose as a Sith and trying to navigate what he needs to do with the new information he has, how this changes who he is as a Sith, what his relationship to Palpatine is, and how he is going to kind of like recapture the purpose within the dark side and just have that be about him and just have those two titles just completely separated from this event comic. I know that like, that's not the most like, economically <laughs> um, directed way to do something like that. I know that like at the end of the day that like on the comics is an industry, it is a business and you have to think about those things. But as far as storytelling goes, I just feel like it would have been, it would have made a lot more sense if it, if, if it had been structured a different way to just kind of allow these characters to breathe and to have the development they need to have instead of trying to insert them into various stuff that is going on and like this huge event. But yeah, I, um, me personally, because you, you were talking about, you know, reading them separately, like reading just the issues. Um, I remember liking this a lot more when I read it the first time. I will readily admit that. Um, when you read it just as a whole, that's when you kind of start seeing some of the cracks. Um, and you're you're absolutely correct. And it, it's so it's so interesting because to me, prior to this, the the number one the number one thing that I would always reference when it came to a poorly paced event comic or at least one that like broke up the issues of the storylines that were happening before it was when Charles soul was doing Superman wonder woman back in the, back in the day. I mean, we're talking that's 2013, 2014 new 52. Um, because Superman doomed happened where Superman turns into doomsday and it's, it's not great. It's pretty bad actually. Um, and, uh, it basically brings both Greg Pak and Charles Soule, who I just now realized are also both involved in this comic. Maybe it was their <laughs> fault. Um, <laughs> uh, we, we've, we, we've discovered something. They're such good writers, though. Um, the Both of their storylines in their respective comics were brought to a screeching halt because of an event comic. And it's kind of funny that that exact same thing really kind of happened here for Luke and Vader's respective story arcs um and yeah I, th I think it was because i was like i said because i was reading everything as it was coming out that made it and i was staying caught up on them pretty well pretty frequently uh that made it seem i don't know i i, I think i enjoyed it a little bit better that way but i think that's because i wasn't able to kind of sit and just think about the different aspects of the story as much um, I will admit that kind of happens to me sometimes as a reader and, and as a viewer of different films and stuff like that, where I'll just be there and I'll just be kind of just enjoying it and not really thinking about it, um, which nothing wrong with that. But 
you know, when you actually start trying to critique something or actually start looking at it a bit deeper, that's when you're like, okay, this isn't, I don't know. This is, this may not, this does, it doesn't hit the mark. I, th- I think, I think you, I think you said it best when you said this was disappointing in the sense that it was good, but it wasn't exactly what we wanted. And I don't know. I, uh, I definitely want to read it. It, I will say this. It made me want to go back and reread the follow-ups um, and reread Crimson Rain and then get caught up on and Hidden Empire and everything to see where it was going um, as a full story. Um, so so from that perspective, I it, I did kind of enjoy that, I guess, because it, it may be interested in seeing what happened next. Um, but yeah. Um, but, but yes, like you, I mean, like you said, I mean, it just, it's, yeah, it's part of the grand canon because I mean, that's part of the, I, I support all the current Star Wars comics because even, even a bad, even a bad Star Wars comic right now is better than a lot of other comics I've read. I will readily admit that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no, it, it's, it's definitely part of my grand canon, even uh, worse and all we'll go, we'll go with that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, but um, yeah, my last question to you, I want to pose real quick, though, because I can't believe we haven't touched upon it already, because mm. I remember when this comic was coming out, you texted me about it. You were so excited oh. um, about it oh, happening. Goodness. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so speaking of Dr. Afra and things that happened in her comic, oh. um, <laughs> all these events going on. I mean, we've talked about various bounty hunters kind of like getting an unfair kind of shank um, as far as as far as what they were allowed to do in this event. How did you feel about your boy Dirge? Dude, I <laughs> you you texted me and were just like, dude, you won't believe who just showed up in the new Star Wars comics. Okay, so the re- the reason I didn't bring up Dirge is because I couldn't remember if. His comic was technically part of the War of the Bounty Hunters. It technically um, is. It technically is? Okay. It technically is. So, from what I can remember, <laughs> I kind of love and hate how they handled Dirge because... <laughs> so, for those of you who are unaware, and and here's the thing, if you are unaware, I'm, I'm simultaneously sorry that your life has not been fulfilled up until this point. But I am so happy that I get to be the one to tell you about this. <laughs> so, Dirge is one of my favorite side characters who I can readily admit is utterly ridiculous. Um, he was a side character that was invented during the Clone Wars uh, cartoons and comics back in like 2003. So we're talking like the Guinea Tartakovsky Clone Wars, which you should absolutely check out that episode of the EU or EU review as well. Mm-hmm. Um but so Dirge is a bounty hunter who is a Gendai. And a Gendai is a race of is an alien race where they are basically like they have humanoid bodies, but at the same time they are like slug people that can like reform themselves. So you basically can't kill them. It's like you cut off their arm and then they just reattach the arm. And then and then it goes shloop. And uh and that is the sound effect it makes. It's disgusting. Um <laughs> but so Dirk comes up in the new comics, and like I love that he's back, but he shows up 
doesn't do a whole lot, and they don't. I haven't seen him since. Um, once again, like I, I, it's been a minute since I've read these, so he could show up again, um, and I just don't know of it, which which would be sad. Um, but um, but no, he doesn't because uh, I know he also I know he shows up for for Tonga's crew at one point. Does that happen during this? And I've forgotten. No, I don't think it happens during this. No, he shows up. The only time that Dur shows up in War of the Bounty Hunters is he shows up when Afra and Sana uh, go to find the cousin of of the um, of. Haga, um, Hamina, I think mm-hmm. her first name is, who like yeah. they are working for at the time. Um, that they go to find him on like his like his ship, and everybody on his ship is dead, and they get attacked by like these regenerating slugs, which are very similar to what Dirge is. <laughs> uh, um, and Dirge is there as well. Who collect a bounty on the same guy, but he's already dead, and so they can't do all that. And then, um, and then it proceeds. Okay, yeah. So, so I just looked this up. Okay, so yes, that is the only time you see him is in those two issues, um, and for all the other everyone else keeping track. Uh, just a heads up: next month, Bounty Hunters thirty-five. Your boy's coming back. Ah, uh, uh, return a dirge. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, he is going to be part of the new uh, the Dark Droids um, uh, event headed by Ethan Sachs during the Bounty Hunters comics. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm intrigued to see what happens with them. Um, yes, I love Dirge. I Dirge is is such a he's such a ridiculous character, and I'm so happy he was in this. And I'm happy that there is a Gendai and Jedi survivor. Uh, <laughs> oh nice yeah yes yeah um so it's a little bit easier to uh to talk about sometimes uh, and, and be like he's the guy that was in that game that was way that's way more famous than what Gany tartakovsky's clone wars was <laughs> which is a tragedy because i don't get me wrong i like that survivor but it's not getting tartakovsky's clone wars um but yeah um al any closing remarks my friend um I don't believe so. Um, um, I had fun overall. Um, just had some weird spots, but um, I mean, yeah, everybody like um, as Jacob has already talked about some. I'll just use this as as an opportunity to plug um, the High Republic stuff. Is like so good. Um, Everybody should read the High Republic stuff. I know that like we aren't like as positive on like the War of the Bounty Hunters as like we usually are on like the new um, Star Wars stuff that's coming out, but um, just want to reiterate: if this comic was not really like your speed, if like you were kind of disappointed in it, like we were, or if like you're just kind of interested in Star Wars comics in general. then you should go read the High Republic stuff, man. It's really good. It's like all really good. It's it's crazy how consistently high quality it is. Um, it's wild. 
But um, but yeah, um, that's about it. High Republic's really good. Yeah, that's yeah. I I read Path of Seat, made me cry. It's really mm-hmm. good. Oh yeah. Um, here's the thing: I would be starting Convergence, um, which is the next High Republic book that I need to read, um, and I fully intend to. But here's the thing, Al. One, I'm kind of I'm kind of a slow reader. Uh, sure. But uh, and I need to focus on other things because Ooh. my friends, we have something coming this summer. Oh boy! If y'all thought War of the Bounty Hunters was a hot summer event, just wait. <laughs> just wait, because it doesn't get much hotter than the Sith Lord Summer. Woo! Woo! Featuring the Darth Bane trilogy of novels. Um, mm-hmm. So that is. Path of Destruction. Rule of Two is the Rule second one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And then yep. Dynasty of Evil. I always the get the, the, the second and third one mixed up. Um, <laughs> it is my first time reading them. I've never actually read them, um, which is a big surprise for a lot of people. Um, Al, I can't remember. Have you read them? Um, I have not. Uh, the, uh, the way I keep them um, straight in my head, though, is that um, Rule of Two has a two in it, and it is the s- second of the books. Ooh, that'll make things nice and easy for us. There you go. <laughs> there, you go. there you go, everybody out there. Uh, be sure to subscribe to our Patreon for more hot tips on how to keep your book on how to keep your books organized. <laughs> oh man, but we are we are definitely looking forward to that. We've also got other great things happening this summer. Um, I'm about to finish up the Devil May Cry streams, and then Ooh. we're going to be doing Horizon Forbidden West after that. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Ooh, um, wow. Yeah, yeah. Wow. From, <laughs> um, from, from five reasonably short games to a very long one. To a very long game, yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's going to be fun. So that's probably going to take up most of the summer, honestly. But um, but we also have some great movies coming out this summer that we'll be covering either on, on a podcast or one of us talking about it in a TikTok or something like that, I'm sure. So, especially this upcoming Friday, Across the Spider-Verse, super hype. Across hyped. the Spider-Verse. Oh, it's going to be so good. It's going to uh, be great. But, yeah, it's, it's going to be a good summer, uh, and we're we're happy to be here and still be talking about all the fun stuff that we're doing and hopefully sharing in our fandoms with you all as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh Yeah. And, of course, we cannot sign off without saying, of course, that fandom is for everyone. Mm-hmm. Hope you have a wonderful day. May the force be with you. We'll see you all next time. Free dirge.